What's doing, everybody? Today is Tuesday, January 23rd. The Supreme Court votes 5-4 to four in favor of allowing border agents to remove razor wire down at the border. Joining me on the podcast today is congressional candidate in the 23rd District of Texas, which includes Eagle Pass, Victor Avila. Also on the podcast today, Congresswoman Diana Harshbarger of East Tennessee, as well as January 6th political prisoner turned congressional candidate in West Virginia, Derek Evans. I'm Alec Lace. This is The Alec Lace Show. The American family is under attack. Parents are the underdog of this nation. Your children are being indoctrinated. That's right. Your children. They do not belong to the state. They do not belong to the school system. They belong to you, the parents, as a blessing from God our Father. So let's preserve, protect, and fight for the American family together. You're listening to The Alec Lay Show. The future is family. All right, welcome everybody to the Alec Lay Show. I'm happy and honored, as always, to be here with you guys. Thank you for tuning in. If you're watching the broadcast live here on Rumble, you guys know what to do. Get down there, hit the like button, share the broadcast to everybody in your network so we can get as many people into the live broadcast as possible. And don't forget, follow the channel here on Rumble. And if you missed out on last week's closing episode there on Thursday, you got to scroll back on the channel and take a listen. I had the honor of having Eric Trump, President Trump's son, join me right here on the podcast. We had about a 45-minute discussion about everything under the sun. And also, too, uh, Navy SEAL Team 6 American hero Rob O'Neill stopped by the podcast as well. So flip it back one and take a listen. And today, I've got a phenomenal program for you guys. Three guests to hit you guys with. We're going to start it off uh, with my friend Victor Avila, who's running for Congress in Texas. And then we're going to have Congresswoman Diana Harshbarger of Tennessee, and then we're going to close it out with West Virginia congressional candidate Derek Evans. All right, so obviously the big news over the weekend was Ron DeSantis decided to drop out. I just discussed this with Eric Trump when we thought he was going to drop out uh, on Thursday. He dropped out uh, over the weekend, and thankfully he did. Uh, It was kind of a sad thing to watch. His entire campaign just stumbled out of the gate. He went against Donald Trump, who is really the reason why he became governor. So it's just kind of glad to see this kind of come to an end. We can kind of stop all this infighting that we've been seeing, especially on social media between the Trump camp and the DeSantis camp. And now hopefully after a few days of uh, of necessary digging at one another, we can now move forward and let's go on the attack here because the whole point was never to defeat uh, Ron DeSantis. It was never to defeat uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. It's to defeat Joe Biden and the Democrats here in November. That's the goal here. So let's get on board. And if you weren't on the Trump train, jump on and let's go. Today, obviously, the primaries are down there in New Hampshire. Uh, Another big blowout uh, for Donald Trump as we steamroll into South Carolina and just cruise into the primaries here. Uh, We drop Nikki Haley like a bad habit, and then we move right into November and crush Joe Biden and take back the country. That's how it's all going to play out. Now, listen, obviously, the big thing is winning the White House back. Well, that's uh, square one. That, that's the, the goal. That's the New Year's resolution. That's the whole the bowl, bowl of soup. But also, we need to take a bigger majority in the House. We need to win back the Senate. Now, also, with getting a bigger majority in the House, we need to get rid of the, the, the lead weight that's in the White House, these rhinos that are just killing us in there. And so I'm going to have guys on today, two of them who are trying to primary the rhinos that are in there and get them out. And starting off here, too, uh, is going to be Victor Avila, who is running in the 23rd district of Texas, which includes Eagle Pass. 
uh, right down there where it's the hot spot right now. Everyone's got their eyes on it. So now the Supreme Court is the big news yesterday dropped this bombshell decision five to four in favor of allowing Border Patrol agents to remove the razor wire that was put in place to try to help uh, just prevent this mass influx of illegal aliens coming into our country. Biden has been fighting this. He wants the razor wire removed uh, so that the federal agents, get the Border Patrol agents can get in there and, and do what they have to do. Basically, by, by removing this razor wire, you're going to allow these aliens to come in with no stopgap whatsoever. There's going to be nothing to stop them at all uh, to just come right through the southern. Uh, now, this thing isn't over yet, too. Uh, this the Fifth Circuit. Uh, still has to actually hear the case. So uh, this isn't really over yet, uh, but it's a big blow, especially because there was two conservative Supreme Court justices, Amy Coney Barrett and John Roberts, that voted with the liberal uh, Supreme Court justices in this favor of five to four. So it was very kind of shocking to see that. We didn't get an explanation on it because it was an emergency or whatever it was, a fast-tracked decision. So we didn't get to really hear a, a reasoning for why uh, the two conservative justices sided with allowing this to go down and take the razor wire out. It's almost as if like the way I would liken it is if if you're an underage drinker and you're trying to get into a, into the club, the bouncer is the one that's providing, is protecting the club from you getting in there. It's almost like if you take the bouncer out of the way, now you can just walk right into the club. And that's pretty much what the razor wire was there that they had down at the border. Now, I got like I said, my first guest here um, is going to be Victor Avila. And Victor did, he tweeted about this immediately yesterday when the Supreme Court made the decision. I'll put it up on a board for you. He put the Supreme Court's decision on the razor wire dispute is disappointing, but unsurprising. Immigration has always been the constitutional responsibility of the federal government. But that does not excuse the Biden administration's complete abandonment of our southern border. This guy, he's an American hero. I've done several interviews with Victor on First Class Fatherhood. He's a family man, but he was involved, if you remember, Fast and Furious under Obama. Uh, it was a, which was an absolute disgrace and a nightmare. Victor Avila was a special agent with ICE uh, back in the day here. He was on an assignment in Mexico in 2011, and him and his partner, special agent Jaime Zapata, were ambushed by the Los Zetas cartel down there in Mexico. They got ambushed. They were in their car. These guys came at them, uh, opened fire. Uh, his partner, Jaime, was was killed. Victor was wounded, shot up multiple times, uh, managed to get his way out of that firefight. And he's listen, he's an American hero. Uh, he, he knows what's at stake here. He's he's just involved in everything going on down there at the border. He wrote a book about his experience called Agent Under Fire. There's also an awesome documentary uh, that was made about the entire ambush that took place called Agent Down. You can find it on YouTube. I'll put those links in the description down there below. But listen, right now he's running for Congress and we need a guy like this, a fighter, a patriot, a hero. We need a guy like this in there. He's trying to get rid of this guy, Tony Gonzalez who has been in there since 2021, who is voting every way you don't want to see a conservative guy voting. He's voting a, 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 He's voting for gun control laws. We're going to bring Victor on here to talk more about it, but it's one of these guys we got to get out of the House. Victor is a guy that we need in there. He's a patriot, not a politician. He's been in the fight. This guy almost gave his life for the country here, uh, so he knows what's at stake, and he knows what's going on down at the border better than anybody. Because my, my only way to say close the border is to maybe what we need to do, and I've said it before, is like we get a, a wall of patriots down 
down there. Like the way that these pro-Hamas protesters blocked the Brooklyn Bridge. Maybe we get a wall of patriots to just block the border down there. I mean, that's the only thing I know. Other than that, uh, I want to ask, you know, pick Victor's brain here on what we can do to actually solve this crisis down at the border because it is killing this country. And it doesn't seem like uh, help can get here fast enough. So as I said, uh, Victor Avila, you got to check him out. Victor Avila for Congress. He's running for Congress to displace Tony Gonzalez in the 23rd District of Texas, which includes Eagle Pass. Uh, again, this is a guy that's received multiple medals of valor. Uh, his, his accolades are way too many to list here. Uh, this is the kind of guy you want on your side in a firefight. He's also got the world record for the longest uh, handgun shot uh, for distance. So uh, this is the guy you want on your side in a fight, and we need him fighting for us in the house. So I'm going to bring him on right now. Again, uh, it's an honor to get him here. Uh, find out more about him, Victor Avila for Congress.com. I'm going to put the link down there in the description below, and let's bring Victor on right now. All right. Joining me now, Victor Avila. Welcome to the Alec Lay Show. Thanks for having me, Alec. Great to see you again. Yeah, it's an honor to see you now. I know, listen, I know you're uh, you're running an important campaign where you are right now, so I want to get into that. Um, Texas 23rd District, you're right there. You're on the battlegrounds right there. You're Eagle Pass in that district. I mean, right now it's all the attention is on there. So give me the current, you know, st- what, it, what it is like on the ground where you are, especially Eagle Pass, the whole District 23 where you're at, and how severe is this issue? Great question, because it's changing as we speak. Uh, right before Christmas, we had 5,000 legals there, and everybody saw the pictures. Uh, I was there. Uh, I got a nice uh, uh, access by the DPS uh, uh, lieutenant that was there. By the way, we'll talk a little bit about how DPS has taken over that whole area. Um, but there's nobody there right now. There are no aliens. Very few are, are trickling in. Why? Because the Biden administration sent Blinken and Alejandro Mayorkas to Mexico to make a deal that they will not tell us what that deal is. But I, I could speculate based on my experience and what I'm seeing, because I was just back uh, a week ago, and I'm like, where are all the people? Well, they're being held back in Mexico. They're being held back on the request of the Biden administration, but not not to help you or me or help this country, because they don't care about anybody. They don't even care about the illegals themselves. They care about how ugly and politically this has been uh, looking out for them, which is hurting them in the election. That's what they care about, the power. And so they went over and made a deal with the devil over there and said, help us hold them there, possibly through the elections. I don't think it's going to last that long. So, you know, it'll be good for Mexico. It'll be good for us. And we get to remain in power. Well, as soon as that was over, Alec, uh, the, the Mexican government had the audacity to then demand the United States send them $40 billion and, and also demand that they give 10 million illegal aliens in the United States, Mexican nationals, a permit to remain in the United States. And on top of that, uh, lift restrictions and, uh, uh, that we have against uh, Venezuela. And I'm like, what, what side are these people on? Uh, this is a bad deal. It's a bad deal for Americans. It's not putting Americans first. And my sources tell me there's about 50,000 on the Mexican side in Monterey being held in warehouses. And they say, Victor, they're probably going to hold them probably till the end of February, beginning of March, and they're going to come in. And the Democrats are going to blame the Republicans once again and say, listen, you didn't, give us the, you didn't give us the money for the budget. You didn't give us the $14 billion that we asked for, even though we know that that money was not going to be used to secure the border. It was going to be used to expand the NGOs and the movement, uh, illicit movement of people. 
So pay close attention to what's happening here because it's going to affect us. It's not over. Uh, Texas has taken over that area, Shelby Park and, and Eagle Pass, Texas. By the way, they, DPS was kind of already running the show down there. The big difference here now is that Border Patrol is out. They are not under that bridge allowing the illegals to come in and turn themselves in. So guess what, Alec? The cartel is going to have to pick another place. And are they going to go to Del Rio? Are they going to go down to Mission, Texas and, and uh, McAllen area? <clears throat> we'll see. But uh, something's going to give here. Something's going to happen. The cartels are not going to put up this for many, much longer. Well, that's what I was going to ask, too, Victor, is because, I mean, listen, nobody knows the cartels better than you do and what they're capable of. And, and one of the things, you know, we just seen a couple of weeks ago, and it's still going on now in Ecuador, what's going on with the cartels. And this is like an all-out war that's been happening down there. Now it's kind of been low-key in our media over here, but I know that it's still happening uh, down there. And these these are the exact type of people that President Trump was warning us about that are go- coming into the country. And they tried to call them all racist and, and, and all this other stuff. But it's like he was talking about these type of characters that are the ones that are going to be coming through the border. And there's there's no question that there's been people like this from Ecuador, from other parts of South America that have come into the country. We have no idea who any of these people are. And, and so that's that's what's frightening when we see what, the, what some of these guys are capable of. And now they could be in your neighborhood because they've shipped these people all over the United States. And, and you see all these Democrat cities, these liberal cities that are sanctuary cities, they don't want them anymore. They're trying to close the right. door to them and they're saying, you keep them. See, they, they don't want them in their neighborhood. They want them in your neighborhood and they want you to like it and it just seems like i can't imagine even how democrat voters could even stand for this nine thousand percent increase in chinese nationals nine thousand percent increase the sias that we call them in department of homeland security special interest aliens that you guys know for the audience that doesn't know me i'm a retired special agent with homeland security investigations under ice uh, and I interview, uh, 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 investigate these groups and the movement. They've been using Mexico for many years. Now it's 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 the best way. I mean, they know, we you and I know it's open. So do the terrorists. So do these special interest aliens. By the way, the the cartels they separate the groups. The ones in Eagle Pass that are coming are the poorest. The 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 poor that coming on top of the train. They don't have much resources, not much clothes. But the ones coming in Arizona and California. Look at the videos fully dressed, well-dressed. They have luggage with them. Why? Because these people paid tens of thousands of dollars to come into the country. And where are they from? Bangladesh, Syria, Yemen, Iran. Uh, What the China, uh, African nations. And you're like, what in the world is going on here? We know. We caught almost 300 of them on the terror watch list. We know that they're coming. We know that they're here. Have no doubt about that. This is a national security issue. It's a public safety issue. And then one thing I talk a lot about, Alec, is the victims of crimes in the United States. Like we have so many people in this country. As it is, crime is out of control to begin with. And then you add people that come over. They're saying about ten percent about the of the illegals that are coming in are are criminals, cartel members, drug traffickers, sex offenders, all that. Well, if you do a ten percent of fifteen million, I'm being very conservative here. That's 1.5 million people that are, are criminals. And guess what? I talk to sheriffs and police departments around the country. They don't have more police officers. They don't have more resources. And they're committing all these crimes in small towns, very noticeable. And then the victims, are the, the Americans that are being victims, that they rape their children, the, they break into your house, all types, the meth, the fentanyl, all that. And no one is doing anything about it. It all stems down to the border but we're going to change it. That's the best part, that it's going to change here in November. We're going to take over the White House uh, 
Uh, I hope to be part of the solution to to save uh, this country. I was endorsed by Tom Holman, ex-director of ICE under President Trump, and we're going to fix it together. A lot of it is easy. I, I want people to know that some of it's going to be easy. We're going to get Border Patrol back to their authority. We're going to secure the border. That's going to be the easy part. It, it will, will take a little bit longer to start removing some of these people from this country because it, it they have really changed the dynamics of these neighborhoods. They want to change the fabric of our country. This is um, deliberate a hundred percent. Yeah. And, and see a lot of, everyone has their eyes on the, uh, on the presidential election. That's the big one, but it, it's, we need guys like you in Congress right now. Cause if we don't get a, a bigger majority in the house, we're going to be in the same problem we're in right now. Even if we get Trump in there, if we don't get control of the house and hopefully get control of the Senate where we can actually make things happen, then I think all will be for lost. And right now you're running obviously up against Tony Gonzalez. All the word on the street is that Tony is a, is a rhino. I know he voted against, uh, uh, he voted for gun, certain gun reform over there. I know a lot of people not happy with him, tired, sick and tired of the same old, same old. So what is it? What is your biggest push? What is your biggest message? Why go for you in District 23 over the incumbent there, Tony Gonzalez? Well, several things. I would never vote the way he voted. He voted for January 6th committee. He voted for the gun restrictions and for red flag laws. He voted for same-sex marriage. He voted. He blocked the biggest border security bill, H.R. 29, that Tom Holman and I reviewed, by the way, that Chip Roy uh, drafted. And it was a great bill. Great bill. I would have passed it the way it was. He killed it. And now he, he he ignores that because some of that bill was taken into H.R. 2. H.R. 2 is not the same. He killed the border security bill, and it's important that people know that. And he votes for drag shows in the military. This guy is not a rhino. He's a Democrat in disguise with an R in front of his name. You're going to get true representation from me. You're going to get a real person with real experience that is not afraid to confront these people in Washington, D.C. But I'm going to tell you one of the biggest, biggest uh, difference that you're going to see with me. I'm going to show up. I'm going to be in front of the people. I was with the mayor of Del Rio, spoke to him for two hours, getting his concerns, his local issues. Let me tell you, his asks were not terrible asks. They were not something that we, it's, I thought it was pretty easy. They need some schooling. They need some, they need some help. And I told him, why haven't you talked to Tony Gonzalez about this? He says, I haven't seen him in over two years. And I said, what? He said, that's the problem with Tony Gonzalez. He doesn't show up. He has abandoned our district, he has betrayed our district. Those are the words of the constituents, not mine. That's what, how they feel, and they're angry, and, and I will switch that. I will at least be available to them as an employee of them. I'm not the employer. They're the employer. I'm the employee. I understand this, working for the government for 20 years. I will get this job done. Give me a shot to get into Washington, D.C., and you will see some differences. Yeah, well said, Victor. And I got the link to your campaign down in the description below. And this is why, listen, obviously, I know, I've known you for years. And so I, I believe and I take you at your word. The problem is, we, we were, and I say it on this show quite often, is just us, the citizens, the, the, the constituents, whatever you want to call us, we're so sick and tired of the bait and switch where we think we're voting in a guy yeah. uh, that's going to stand for us and then gets in there and all of a sudden votes the way Tony does. And we're saying, what is going that's on? And we got we to gotta primary him and get him out. That's the number one complaint I get, Alec. And believe it or not, my my job in the campaign has been having to kind of convince these people because they're like, man, we're all for two. It used to be Will Hurd. Then we got Tony Gonzalez. And they kind of sounded like you, Victor. He was saying all the right things. And he's lied to us in our face and then goes and does completely the opposite in, in Washington, D.C. One thing is for them to go and do nothing. No, this guy has actually gone way out of his way to vote with the left. Um 
I bring integrity, Alec. You know me. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm giving my word here that I will not abandon these people. I'm from this district, born and raised in El Paso, and have worked uh, this entire district and living in San Antonio. Uh, I know the entire district, by the way, the small counties in Hudspeth County, Van Horn, Pecos, they have been forgotten. The ranchers, my goodness, they want attention. And um, I, I will bring that. I, I, I want people to ask me. I want people to vet me. Look me up. What I stand for. What I've done in my career. You know what I've been through. I've been through horrific events in my career and almost lost my life. My partner was killed next to me. If I could overcome that, I could overcome the, the swamp in D.C. I'm not afraid of them, man. Like I lost my fear that day on February 15, 2011. I will confront these people and hold them accountable and work for the people directly. Yeah, there's no doubt, Victor. You're an American hero and a patriot, and I know that more than uh, more than most. And that's why you know I got the link to your campaign down there below. And it's the same thing in Congress too. Like we put the the Speaker of the House, we had uh, Kevin McCarthy in there. He turned out to not fulfill his promises. He's out. Mike Johnson comes in, and everyone's got high hopes for him. He doesn't fulfill his promises. It's like, uh, I, in my opinion, we should have just put Jim Jordan in the position of Speaker, and that should have been it. And I don't know why we didn't do it. I don't know why we're fooling around with all these other options. And of course. It's like they're, they're so afraid of the government shutdown. It, it, the border being open is more important than anything right now. So it's like, why would you not? Why would you vote to keep the government open instead of shutting the border down? To me, it makes like anybody that votes for that way. We've got a primary. And that's just that's just my opinion. By the way, Tony Gonzalez voted against Jim Jordan. He would not vote in favor to put him in the Speaker of the House. That's another vote. Um, it makes absolutely no sense. Right. And you know what happened this past fr Friday? Uh, the government would have shut down. I wanted it to shut down, but no, we signed another continued resolution, kicked the can down the road again. I worked in the government. I've gone through shutdowns. We need to either secure the border uh, or if not, we're going to shut down this government. It, we need to send a signal to the other Democrats and the other rhinos in Congress that, listen, we're going to respond for the people. And the people tell me all the time, shut it down. Shut it down. Send a message. But the problem is that you know this, that the Republicans are the ones that fold. They banned at the very end, and, and they always ask, well, what do the Democrats want? We're, they're so afraid of the Democrats. Why? Let's stand up to them. I don't want to be responding to their narrative. I'm the one that want to put the narrative in front because our narrative, narrative happens to be the truth. Yeah, we, we need patriots, not politicians in Washington is what we really need. And we, uh, hopefully we can get these people out uh, very quickly here. So uh, talk to me about in your district. You know, obviously, uh, family fatherhood is something important to me. And I know that what's happening in these neighborhoods where the illegals are coming in. I know right up here in New York, uh, it, it is it, it is causing nothing but trouble for the families that are just trying to go about their day, live their lives. And they're completely disrupted now by what's going on. How has the open border there affected the, the families in your district, Victor? They are disrupted at the school level they're disrupted at the hospitals at the healthcare level and of course the criminal justice systems all of these these are the main areas of our neighborhoods right we deal with these people all the time um they're not being accepted in the er because it's full of illegals in el paso eagle pass del rio um the the school systems in in el paso they are putting illegal aliens in an elementary school not not the homeless americans not the veterans the illegals the illegals, for some reason, they get better treatment than you and I. They get preferential treatment. I'm sick and tired of that. I want people to come and I want people to understand. I want legal immigration. I want people to come here the right way like my parents did and assimilate it to this country. Another thing, uh, Alec, people are not, the ones that are coming don't, do not want to be Americans. They don't want to assimilate to this country. They don't want to adopt our constitution. They don't want to adopt our work ethic and our, our, our values. 
No, they want to bring their communist, broken country ideologies and put them here. And they're very blatant about it. I talk to them at the at the at the bridge and the river every time I go down there. No one's being persecuted. No one's being persecuted by the government. They don't qualify for asylum. And I'll bring all that expertise at working in Mexico, working in Central America and Europe. I understand that foreign policy. We can't deny the, the, the angles and the attachment of Iran, China, Hezbollah, Venezuela, Cuba. These are all our enemies. And we have to make sure that uh, uh, it starts with securing the border. But it's, I want to make something clear. It's, people say, shut it down. Well, you don't want to shut down because a lot of stuff that we have in our in our household came in a truck from the, the southern border. We need to be able to have that trade, but I want to use that trade as leverage, starting with Mexico and say, you know what? Enough is enough. We're going to attack you at the trade. It's going to hurt them economically, but we got to do that. We're not going to go there and make deals with the devil. We're going to go in there and, and do it the other way around. We're going to put Americans first and hold these countries accountable and shift the burden back to them. Yeah, you know, you bring up a good point, Victor, because I'm just like I'm like one of many that say, you know, just shut the border down, shut the border down. And to be honest, I don't even know what that would look like. I just know that we got to do something to stop the flow of illegals coming in is what we're all trying to say here. So I wouldn't even know the first step. I, I, I'm, I'm like everybody else. I put a, I think we need to shut the border and start mass deportations immediately. Now, how that is going to work and what that's going to look like, I honestly have no idea. So what would be the first steps? What needs to happen in order to not shut the border, like you said, but in order to stop this, uh, put a screen there to stop this mass flow of I- illegal immigration coming in? What are the steps that we need to take here? One of my solutions that I had actually wrote in a book a couple of years ago, and I still like that solution, is we're going to send a surge to the southern border. Uh, we have almost 20,000 Border Patrol agents. We're going to bring them from Albuquerque. We're going to bring them from these interior offices, and we're going to send them down 18 months to 24 months down at the border, including HSI, including ICE. Now, ICE, we're going to need them for the internal, uh, like you said, we're going to need them for the internal mass deportation that we need in the enforcement within the United States. But we, we will ask other agencies, just like they've asked uh, of uh, uh, air marshals and others, DEA, we're going to get them all down there for a, a period of time to seal that border in between the ports of entry. And we're going to, I want to change the mission statement of the ports of entry. They call them OFO, Office of Field Operation, the guys in blue, the customs guys, because a lot of illegal st- stuff and fentanyl comes through that port of entry. We need to focus on that and, 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 and really secure the border that way. Trade, we could have both. We could have legal trade and your avocados and your bananas come through there, but we have to secure the border of the illicit activity. We need to we need to address these cartels. I'm for designating them as foreign terrorist organization, but I don't want to talk about it. I know I want them actually designated under the State Department, just like ISIS. And then we bring in DOD resources. We we take them out. I'm talking about they take out their money, their resources, their bank accounts, their properties, everything they have in the U.S., and we then go after the people that are dealing with them. Because if you start talking to ISIS right now, they're going to come after you. Well, the same thing. If you're dealing with a Sinaloa cartel who happens to be a terrorist organization, well, we pick to pick you up because you're now commingling and financing a terrorist organization. So that is a very good ripple effect that we want of everyone that works for the cartels within the U.S. Remember, the cartels are here and they're working with the gangs all over the United States to push the meth and the fentanyl. And so we go after them as well. So it's a cumbersome idea here, but it's very well done between the state, federal governments to to actually uh, enforcement. Alec, it's about enforcement. It's about to enforce at the border. It's really easy. We get border agents back to enforcing the law. I'm talking about uh 8 U.S.C. 1325, illegal reentry, illegal uh, illegal entry, illegal reentry, 
alien smuggling, human trafficking. That's my subject matter expertise. We just have to start putting people in jail and prosecuting them. So we need the Department of Justice on board. Right now, the assistant U.S. attorney declines all these prosecutions. They don't take the cases. So even if the border agent wanted to arrest somebody, no one gets prosecuted. We need that part of the criminal justice system on board as well. We'll change that, too, under the Trump administration. And then all of a sudden, you're sending this different message to the rest of the world. You know what? You better not come in because you're going to go. We're all going to house you, but we're going to house you in club fed for six months to a year in prison and then deport you. Yeah, I, I love the response, Victor. Listen, this is your area. You've been living and breathing this for years now, so no one knows it better than you, and that's why we need somebody like you at the helm who has an idea and is really in, in, involved personally that you've lived it uh, to be involved in it. Now, also, too, like uh, when, when President Trump was saying, like, we need to use the military to go after the cartels, everybody went after him for that, for saying that. But it's these cartels, th- this is a lucrative business they got down there at the border. The, the, we always hear about the fentanyl stuff. It's not just the fentanyl. This is a multi, multi-million dollar operation that they're running down there. And then you got the human trafficking that's involved in this. I mean, this, this, this is big, big business down there. And these aren't people that are going to stop. They're ruthless. And so it seems almost as if like they're, it, it, what they're doing is an act of war against the United States. Only it's like, I guess, a soft war or a quiet war, or whatever you want to call it. But this is an all-out war against the American people. People are it, dying every day because of them. It's a war and it's right here next to us. It's not 6,000 miles away. And that's the, 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 the sense of urgency that I tell people. They're an imminent threat. And you're right, the cartels, yes, the drugs, yes, the human smuggling and trafficking, but they're involved in the avocado trade, the lime trade, the petroleum trade, the steel trade. These guys are involved. Uh, they control the media in Mexico. More, more journalists have died in Mexico and had been killed in Mexico than any other country, not in the Middle East, in war zones, in Mexico. And uh, and this is what you need to have the, the Congress, and I want to be a part of the House Homeland Security Committee to bring that awareness and the truth and say, listen, these guys are above a level. You're right. The cartels are multi-billion dollar uh, 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 faceted uh, criminal enterprises. They're not street gangs. These guys are not only in the U.S. They're in 40 countries across the world. And so, yes, the military is do it. Now, I'm the first one to say that's not the first thing we're going to do. But definitely the cartels, we, uh, we need to take out the 100 super labs in Mexico where they're uh, making the precursor or the precursors used by China and the chemicals to make these counterfeit pills. Seven out of 10 pills in this country, Alec, are laced with uh, uh, counterfeit pills, are laced with a fentanyl and xylazine. They're killing us. They're killing us with pills, not with bullets or bombs. But I don't remember ISIS or the Taliban or Al-Qaeda killing over 100,000 Americans, but they have. And nobody seems to do anything about it. This is, a, like you said, it's like the quiet war, the silent killer. It's not silent to me. I've been yelling it at the top of my lungs as much as I can. But for some reason, because it's Mexico, oh, they're our partner, they're our friend. I'm here to tell you I work there. No, they're not. Mexico puts Mexico first. Uh, Venezuela puts Venezuela first. But we want to put America first. And you're right. I get called names. How dare you? Well, go, wait, listen, I'm, I'm a Texan. I'm born. Yes, I'm a first generation. My parents came to this country legally and assimilated to this country but I'm an American. I've worked in these countries and, and I've seen the levels of corruption. And let me tell you, we're not that far off. <laughs> I always compare all these other countries. And eh, let me tell you, Washington is right up there with these people. We need to clean it up. It's going to take a while, but it's definitely you have to have optimism. This country is resilient with everything that we've done in our history. We could get it done. And we and the, with the right combination of President Trump, the, the, the military, the law enforcement, people that have expertise like myself, 
Let me tell you, it's a great combination. Tom Holman and others, we're going to get it done. Yeah, and you're no doubt part of the solution set, Victor. And, and I wanted to get your take real quick on this guy down there in Argentina, this uh, Mele. I, I, I love what that guy is doing down there. He inspires so many people to say, yeah, why, why can't we do that here? You know, what's your take on what he's doing down there? Argentina, um, El Salvador, these these presidents have, uh, yes, it, they're showing us that they can be done. They're telling us, look, yes, you can. Uh, people are demanding it, by the way. Uh, but they happen to be a little bit more vocal over there than here. We need to be more vocal here and demand our elected officials, by the way, at every level. I'm a big advocate for local po uh, local politics. You need to get <clears throat> to your local city councilman or woman, your, your, your county commissioners, your state reps. Yes, you need to hold them accountable. <clears throat> but they're showing us that it could be done. I want to work with those countries that want to work with us. When I see a country like Panama and El Salvador doing what we want them to do and clean all these MSM, MS-13 gang members and putting them in prison, I, I want to help them. What I want to do is cut off the rest of the other people because we still continue to send them billions of dollars and we're not getting any return on our investment. I worked in Mexico under the Merit Initiative with under $1.3 billion. And what did we get? <laughs> more cartels, more drugs, more human trafficking. This is not, this is, money is not the solution. As a matter of fact, we cut them off and on top of that, I want to look at sanctions. One another solution I want, we do, we do all this trade, billions of dollars of trade with all these countries around the world. I want to hold them accountable with the power of the person say, for example, Nicaragua, we, we trade bananas with you. Well, you know what? We're going to subtract $250,000 per illegal alien that you have in our country that you allow to come from your country to ours. So how much we, well, I don't know how many billions of dollars we, we do in trade with you. Let's start deducting. And let's get their attention that way. That's the only way uh, a lot of these people, these nations, Mexico including, respond to the money. Remember President Trump wanted to put the tariffs on them and they immediately started securing the border? Well, I want not just tariffs. I want sanctions. I want to go further than that. To They need to understand that the United States is a sovereign country, for crying out loud. We're violating our sovereignty every single day and disrespecting us. We're a sovereign country with our own constitution. And they need to know that they have people in this country that are going to fight for us. I got to tell you, Victor, it, it is a blessing to ask questions about the border and get fired up answers like you have and, and detailed information on what to do instead of just a blanket answer. Uh, that's why I think it's important. Your race that you're running down there is important. The primary is March 5th, I believe, for you yes, down sir. there. Uh, tell me about the campaign, how it's going, what the plans are, what your stops are and uh, where do people go? Everywhere. Uh, Victor Avila for Congress dot com is the website. Uh, your donations are highly welcome. We're it's a huge it's 834 mile district. It's huge. From San Antonio all the way to El Paso, by the way, El Paso, Hudspeth County, uh, Presidio, Texas, Pecos, uh, that's part of this country too, uh, this uh, district as well. And we, we need to hold, uh, you know, represent them as well. Tony Gonzalez abandoned them. He just, they don't even know who he is. He won't show up. That's going to be the difference. I've worked in this entire district and uh, we have gotten some good headway. We got some great momentum. We do need a little bit more money to get some digital ads out there. So I ask for your support there. Tony has a lot of money. And 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 he's out there thinking that uh, that I don't I think he's gonna get sideswiped and broadsided by me because the people what they tell me on the ground is that they're very upset they want to see real change and he kind of ignores that remember he got he got censured by the Republican Party of Texas this is a U.S. sitting U.S. Congressman that got censured why 
because of what everything that we're talking about. This guy does not respect the will of the people. And the party said, enough of that. We're going to censure you, meaning that other people can't support you. Other parties, can't, uh, other GOP areas around the district cannot support you. And they can actually campaign against you. And some of them are doing that. He doesn't care about that. He's very, um, personally, he doesn't care about it. But I'll tell you what he did say. He said that he was going to, anybody that challenged him, he was going to take him to the deep end of the pool and drown them. I have the video of him saying that. And, well, I'm going to, I'll be waiting for them at the debates. He already didn't show up to one. I don't know if he's going to show up to the one in Upton County on Saturday. And then we, we have one in San Antonio. I'll wait to see. But uh, I want to challenge, I want people to come out to the debates, ask me the questions. I will always tell you the truth. I don't know everything, but I'm going to tell you all my expertise, everything that, and it includes education, it includes the economy, it includes a lot of other things that this district is facing. Plus, this district, by the way, affects this, the entire state of Texas and the entire country. People in New York and, and Florida, like, Victor, please do something down there, because we know that when you secure the border down there, it's going to affect us positively in our community. Yeah, well said, Victor. And, every, and you're right, because every congressman or every senator I talk to from all these different states, they all say the same thing. Every state is a border state right now. So it's affecting every state. It's affecting all these families. And so enough is enough. And, and I got the link to your campaign down there. I encourage the listeners to not only check it out, but share it. Share it with people in your contact list. Get this into his hands as, or it's as many eyeballs as possible, because uh, we need to really take this country back and get these rhinos out of there. Patriots like Victor in there. Uh, you got my support 100%. I know you don't need to do this, Victor, and I know what the the, the, the sacrifice it takes. You, family man, great father. Uh, I know the attacks and the arrows that come your way because of it, but I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for your service, and thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on the Alec Lay Show. Thank you for having me, Alec. All right, honored to have Victor Avila on the podcast here. Make sure you go down there, help support. If you can't support, share his website, Victor Avila uh, for Congress.com. The link is down there below. Share it with people in your network because we need fighters like him, American patriots like him, representing us in the House. He's not a guy that I, I'd be stunned if you've seen a guy like Victor go in there and vote. Uh, like a rhino. Victor's the kind of guy I, I would give my full endorsement to. It's a guy I trust. It's a guy that I think would do the right thing in, and under any circumstances for the American people. He loves America. Uh, he loves Donald Trump. I know that. Uh, he's a wonderful family man. So I can't say enough good things. Obviously a hero. Uh, and if you get a chance, check out that documentary with him and his partner Jaime Zapata had to go through when they got ambushed by the cartel down there in Mexico back in 2011. Victor is lucky to be alive, shot multiple times. His partner was murdered right there at the spot. So uh, check out the documentary and uh, see what it was all about. And so let's uh, move our attention over here now to Tennessee. And I want to bring on Congresswoman Diana Harshbarger. Uh, she represents the 1st District, Tennessee. She's an East Tennessean. Uh, she did vote no on this continuing resolution, which, uh, would, unfortunately, 107 of her colleagues, uh, the Republicans, uh, voted to pass this thing through. And I cannot understand why in the world we have people, and in my opinion, if you, only a rhino would do that, and I don't get it. 107 of them voted yes on this continuing resolution. Uh, one of them being Speaker Johnson. So I want to put this tweet up by Speaker Johnson because of the Supreme Court thing yesterday, right after the hearing was done. Here's what Speaker Johnson said. Today's order underscores that keeping our southern border open to traffickers and cartels is part of a deliberate strategy by President Biden. For over three years, the president's reckless policies have endangered Americans and devastated communities across Texas, like those I visited earlier this month. 
Okay, well, Speaker Johnson, why in the world would you allow to vote this continuing resolution through without holding them hostage and saying, no, we ain't passing nothing. Shut the government down unless we get the border closed. Why aren't you doing that? If if the ball is in your court and you're the Speaker of the House, why don't you do something about it? But here he is on Twitter, uh, as always, uh, talking about what, what, what President Biden, oh, this, President Biden, that. You know, the, right now, the, the cartels and the Democrats are dancing in the street. The, it, what a great day yesterday for the human traffickers and for the drug dealers. What a great day it was for them. Here's the Supreme Court voting in favor to remove razor wire that's hurting your guys getting across. Like, how much more helpful could it be? You had cartel members and Democrats dancing and cheering yesterday together. And also, I might add, 107 rhinos in the Republican Party. All right, so I do want to talk about the border situation with the congresswoman. I also want to talk about parental rights that are constantly being under attack. We're going to talk about her ending Chemical Abortions Act, which I think is very important. Uh, And right after my interview with Congresswoman Harshbarger, I do have January 6th political prisoner turned congressional uh, candidate in West Virginia, Derek Evans, who's going to be here to close it out with me. Uh, Big breaking news about uh, the January 6ers came yesterday, so we'll talk about that. Right now, let's do this here. And bring on the Congresswoman. All right. And joining me now, Congresswoman Diana Harshbarger. Welcome to the Alec Lay Show. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Alec. Well, it's an honor to have you here. I, I wanted to kind of start off, Congresswoman. Yesterday, uh, the big news was the Supreme Court sided five to four in favor of allowing uh, the Border Patrol to take down this razor wire that's down there. It just in in place. Obviously, I think one of the biggest issues for everybody, no matter what state they live in, is the border crisis. Illegal immigration is killing everybody in all these states. So what was your take on the Supreme Court uh, siding to take this razor wire down? Well, I, you know, this is declared an invasion. Governor Abbott has said this is absolutely an invasion into our state of Texas. So why would they interfere with somebody who's trying to take the law and, and do what he's supposed to do for his citizens? I didn't agree with the ruling, and I, I've got to go back and read why Amy Coney Barrett, you know, we understand where Roberts would be, but for her to do that, I, I don't understand. But Governor Abbott's going to fight it from what uh, I have read. So let's just hope that they use common sense, you know, down at the border. I've been there many times. I served on DHS last session, and it is an invasion, sir. It absolutely is. And even though Tennessee's not a border state, we're all border states because of it. Yeah, everybody I talk to, no matter what state they're in, they all say that, share that same sentiment. And, I, you know, yesterday, Speaker Johnson, he tweeted about his disagreement with the decision and he was upset about it. And it just boggles my mind because he's one of the ones that passed this, this continuing resolution. He voted for it. One hundred and seven of your colleagues, Republicans voted to pass this. And it really it just breaks our heart to see this continuing to happen. So uh, why be on Twitter and saying, oh, this is terrible at this when you have the opportunity to not pass this continuing resolution and say, we're not doing nothing. We're going to shut the government down until you close the border right there. You have an opportunity to do it. And we're so disappointed by the Speaker Johnson for, for not doing it. You know, I have known Mike since I've been there. He's part of our prayer group. He is a good man, really. And I think, and I've said this to him, I said, you cannot you cannot make decisions out of fear. Fear and faith can't live in the same neighborhood, can't live in the same city of the same state. I said, do not let the fear mongering that's going on on the Senate side in the four corners. You've got people in the House that are saying, you can't do this or this will happen. 
look, the people that I serve say either close the border or close the government. I'm like, well, the advantage of closing the government is we won't be spending money for one thing. And, you know, I, they tried to get him to, to tie a border bill with it, but their thinking, Alec, is that do the continuing resolution, let them finish the appropriations bills, which, by the way, I learned that they haven't done all 12 appropriations bills in over 30 years. I'm thinking you don't budget, you don't go line by line on each one of these appropriations in my life. That's not how I ran my business. That's not the way the government needs to run. But they want to uh, do the border battle when it comes to supplements for Ukraine or Israel. I'm like, tie it. And I think if they, if we hadn't the canceled votes Friday, we may have gotten a vote on the border. But to me, listen to the the caucus, the Iowa caucuses. Look at what's happening in New Hampshire. You ask anybody around the country, what's your number one issue besides inflation and the economy? It is absolutely the border. It's the border. That, that's why it's mind boggling that it wouldn't be settled already. Like, I, that's why I don't everyone's kind of confused as to why it's being, you know, every everything is moving so slow on it. Because it's like, obviously, this is the issue. We're, we're all hope, we're all hoping that President Trump will get back in there in, in January. But that may be too long, Congresswoman. Yeah. We, we have people pouring in every single day. They're pouring in by the thousands. And we're saying, how could we not all be like red alert? Like everything is all about this, shutting down this border. Why are we passing this and passing that? Shut it. I agree with your constituents in, in your town there, too. Shut the government down or shut the border down. One or the other has got to happen. And it's got to happen quick. It's got to because it, when you look at the numbers coming in, if, when you have a, a, it's a, it's mind-boggling to know in December the over three hundred thousand came across the border. Any average day, you've got ten to eleven thousand coming through. You know how many border agents we have in total? That's the northern, the California, and the southern border. We have about nineteen thousand agents. There is no way they can control these crowds that are coming through. And when you when you you do not vet them and you give them a re- uh, turn to court date that's eight years in the future to 10, or somebody might not be getting those court dates. And HHS is here saying, move them as fast as you can, especially the unaccompanied children. My God above, this is, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm with President Trump, a mass deportation when we get back in, I'd vote for that. But I had to vote no on the CR because why would I vote to weaponize a government that I mean, to fund a government that is weaponized against its citizens who has an open border. And look, you have to take you have to pick your fight in the border. There's no better time than to pick the fight on the border right now. Now, that CR just goes through uh, March. And I'm telling you, Alec, if if they don't do something about the border, there's going to be a lot of dissent. Like you said, it's almost a majority of the majority that voted no on this CR on our side, but you still have those Republicans that say, well, I'm going to do it. I'm like, you didn't cut funding. You didn't put the border on it. What else? I mean, for heaven's sakes, American people are not going to tolerate it. That's why they are going by droves for Trump. Yeah. And, well, and I'm telling you right now, they're screaming for the people that voted yes to be primaried immediately. That's the word on the street here. It's immediately after you do that, it's primary. These people, they call them rhino, get them out of here. We, we just, we're so sick and tired of it. And, and it's, and it's because of what's going on. And it's just like you said, every state's a border state. So we're all seeing the effects of what's happening. Now, what is it in you? Now, for most states, it's the fentanyl that, that's crushing all these communities. For some, it's the crime. For others, it's the housing. What is it in your district there? What, what is it that you're seeing? How is the open border affecting families in your district? 
Well, if you look at healthcare per se, you know, and I talk to a lot of healthcare providers all over the country, and I'm also in the doctor's caucus on Capitol Hill. When you see what's happening at the border states and they are turning their citizens, taxpayers away and diverting them to other hospitals when they are getting ready to give birth or something of that nature. And they triage these people according to how severe their trauma is. If you've got a broken leg, you may sit out in the ER for hours because somebody that just crossed the border has life-threatening episodes going on that they have to treat. But the cost, how many hospitals are ready to close because they are millions of dollars in debt because they're treating these illegals that have no way to pay. The government's not bailing them out. And now, you know, I'm on the health subcommittee on energy and commerce, and here they're cutting position reimbursements. It's just, it's um, a total storm that's getting ready to happen and a perfect storm to where healthcare is not going to be the way we see it. And that affects everybody, even people in my area, because there's not enough providers, there's not enough nurses, enough doctors. We're going to see a change in this country if we don't get a grasp on everything and change the way they do business. And that's Listen, Alec, I never was in politics till 2020. I mean, I'm a mother, a grandmother, a business owner, ran a business, raised a family, but I raised my hand and said, pick me. And I know why good people don't run. They beat the holy heck out of you, say things that are untrue. But if you are convicted to save this country and put America first, then you're going to do what has to be done. And you got to be tough when you're up there. And I, I, you know, I'm a Southern woman, so when I say bless your heart, they don't really know how I, I mean that. I could mean it for good or evil, but, you know, I'm not a name caller, but I just give them the facts in no uncertain terms. And that's what we have to do. We have to be very upfront about what we need done for this country, because the other side, you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. And they it's the demise of this country and the demise of the family. I mean, you just name it. And it's the demise, the demise, the demise. They have a plan. Alec, don't think they don't. This is not random that they're letting millions come across the border illegally. They have an ultimate plan. You never hear the Democrats whine and cry when they lose an election because it's a cost of doing business. We cry about everything. And I tell my party, I'm like, toughen up, you know, be a good messenger and get out there and do what's got to be done. Listen to the people you serve and uh, don't take no for an answer. Yeah, well said, Congressman. It feels it just feels like we're watching it in slow motion. We're watching the destruction of the country in slow motion. And it seems like we're helpless to stop it. And then, like the the, the president wants us to re- remove the razor wire that's stopping the illegals to come. We're just it's so demoralizing. And then we vote for another CR and don't get any border security. It's, it's just one thing after another. It's like we feel like the cartels and, and the drug dealers and the human traffickers are dancing in the streets with the Democrats, and we're just sitting here watching our country get destroyed. So uh, it's I'm so tired of what. What's going on down the border but you did mention the, the family breaking down and i wanted to switch over you're a mother or grandmother uh the attack on, uh, on parents the attack on parental rights in this country is another problem it just seems like every time parents want to step up for their kids show up at a school board meeting they're up they're put on a terrorist watch list now and and they can't even just advocate for their own children without being attacked uh so how is it in your district and what's your take on this assault that's been coming against parents uh since biden got into office there well, that's why in Congress we had to pass the Parents' Bill of Rights. I mean, when you cannot show up at a school board meeting and voice your opinion, you know, parents want to know, what's my child being taught? If I could say one good thing about COVID, it exposed what's going on in our educational system. And I've known it for years. You know, um, the sickest I ever was was when I sent my son to college. I said, 
Lord, be an influence. Don't be influenced some because you know how you were raised. And the thing is, they don't want you to know what they're teaching your children. When they start hiding transitions from some of these parents, when, you know, they confuse these precious children. I mean, when they are little or they're kindergarten, first grade, and when you hear that somebody's transitioning the child at three years of age, to me, that's child abuse, that's, that's sadistic. I mean, what is wrong with a parent that would do that? But parents need to be involved. They need to be involved. They don't need the FBI breathing down their neck, checking their records, because they don't agree with the teachers' unions or the people that are teaching their children. They need to be involved. And you saw what happened in Virginia with Governor Yunkin's race. I mean, all they had to do is say, uh-uh, no way. They may not have been a Republican, but by gosh, they voted for him because they did not like the policies that the Biden administration's handing down. And by the way, that we did have a vote on the floor to get rid of the Department of Education. And of course I said, yes, send it back to the states where it belongs. And it failed because some of my colleagues said, you know, we can't do that all at once. I'm like, yes, you can. You can do anything. You can say yes and get rid of it. But, you know, you've got people that think you can't do that all at once, but you certainly can. We have given up our congressional authority, Alec, and I, for one, want to take it back because you have bureaucratic agencies who say, well, that too shall pass. You're just a figurehead. We'll wait till you're out and then we'll do what we always have done and always will do. And I'm like, no, we need to restructure the way these agencies work. And I put the word out as soon as I was elected, especially this year in the majority, I said, this is what I want to do. Bam, bam, bam. So, you know, I'm all about family. I'm a co-chair of the Congressional Family Caucus, and we'll kick that off Monday. As a matter of fact, uh, Mary Miller from Illinois and I and Brian Babin from Texas and Ben Carson's going to be the speaker there because it's the family unit, a mother and a father, a man and a woman that should be in that household raising that child. That's how it should be. That's how you have productive citizens. You know, some a wise woman told me once, she said, you're not raising children, you're raising adults. And that's how I, I, I raise my son. I want him to, have the, uh, him to have a good moral boundaries and a good foundation, a godly foundation. And that's what we're trying to do in Congress with this Congressional Family Caucus. So it's important to me. Yeah, and I've had Congressman uh, uh, Babin and Dr. Carson right here on the show. And it's, it's something that I've been advocating for for many years, uh, Congresswoman, is, is the breakdown of the family. It's just, in my opinion, the fatherless crisis is the number one epidemic we're having you know, as socially in this country. Because uh, we have so many kids that are growing up without a father, without that positive male father figure in their life. And it's, it, it's crippling our society. And then when you also have God being removed from society, law off the street, and you have those three things. It's what I constantly harp on. We have a fatherless, a godless, and a lawless society. And that trifecta, how do you expect to have a successful society? It's almost impossible unless those three pieces are put back in place. Amen. I mean, you're you're preaching it, and that is absolutely the truth. You know, in the pharmacy, I would take care of these uh, grandparents. But if you look at the statistics on how many grandparents are raising their grandchildren, it is mind-boggling. And, you know, I, I taught Sunday school for 24 years and it, first grade, middle school, high school, college. I'm telling you, Alec, these children, they want boundaries that shows them that you love them. They want to be disciplined. They can tell you they don't, but it shows them that you care about them. 
And I used to say it was a fatherless society, but I swan every day I look around with the crisis and the fentanyl and the opioid. It's a parentless society in so many ways because they're not raising their children. They've been taken away. And God help us with these unaccompanied children. I, I, I worry and I fret about that. And I've tried to do something about it. We don't know where these trafficked children are. And um, they can deny it all they want. But when you cannot find 85,000 unaccompanied children in this country, just because they can't get them on the phone or they can't trace and track them, I guarantee the cartels know where they're at. And all you have to do is a little research to take care of these precious entities. And uh, God help us. If that's the demise and that's the plan is to break, if you break the families apart, you'll break the country apart and you'll tear the country down. And that has been their plan all along. Yeah, there's never been a successful civilization throughout history that's thrived when the family is broken down. Even Rome, you could point to like seven different reasons Rome fell, but you can't even have the conversation without including the fact that the nuclear family broke down at the onset of that. And we just seen it. And, and it's it's just logical, too. And it's like it, 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 it always makes the stipulation not to take away, you know, from single parents that are out there, single moms that are working hard and working miracles out there. But it, yeah. that's not the way this is supposed to work. We were supposed to have, like you said, uh, a, a man and a woman, a husband and a wife and a f- nuclear family raising the children. And that gives us the best shot uh, in our society. And this is why we're filling up the prison systems in this country with yeah. fatherless young men. It's it's not like it's a coincidence. I, I've been to talk to so many different uh, people who were prisoners, who uh, worked in the prisons, wardens, and they're all pointing to the same thing. It's the fatherless kids that are, that are filling up these prison systems. And so I, I just don't see... You know, and it just seems like now we talked about this before we started too. the the, the fact that we have the, the kids that are not getting the parental uh, advice or parental supervision. They have free reign on these devices. And so now it's really the government or these other entities that have no good intentions for these children have free access to their mind. And it's like if you're not there to be a gatekeeper for the yeah. kids and they're on these iPads with no supervision, it, 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 it's it, it's nothing but poison to their mind. Well, it is. And like I say, yeah, I've been a pharmacist 37 years and I, you know, you see these trends and you read these studies and I'm an avid reader of some of these studies that come out because the brain is the last frontier. We don't know. But when the algorithms are created to keep you on the system longer, Alec, and it is a detriment and the studies show that if it's something you disagree with, you're going to stay on there longer. But that's why we have such a a rate of depression and suicide with these young people, because there's a culture that has been created via these uh, social media sites that a young girl, for example, your nine-year-old daughter, she aspires to be this. And even though she's not thin or what have you, these girls look at these models, which are not even real, by the way. They could be AI generated and they want to aspire to be them. And how do I get there? You know, bulimia, anorexia, things of that nature. And we're finding out the biggest trend now are 10 year old girls going to the makeup counter at Ulta or Sephora and buying these high end products because of what they've seen on social media. I mean, and the parents will allow them to do that in a lot of cases. I'm like, are you kidding me? I don't even do that in a lot of cases. So you just have to use common sense when you're raising your children. They aspire to spend time with their parent more than anything. Time is the most valuable commodity any of us have. And we can pour in and mentor those kids. And as a parent, it is a God-given responsibility for me or even as a grandmother to raise my son like I did, raise him right and my grandsons, and I'm like, uh, people, if they don't know what's required of them, they'll fall short every time. And that goes back to what you said about taking God out of everything. 
if we have a godless society, how do they know right from wrong? Well, we have a generation, Alec, that is looking for the truth. And me, for one, you know, this position is not about a title. It is about being able to mentor my colleagues or uh, the young staffers up there, the people I meet. It's a mission for me in a ministry to let them know where I stand and what my value system is. And I wish more people in Congress would do that. Yeah, very well said, Congresswoman. And, and you know, it, it's it's a difficult time for kids right now. And one of the hardest parts is getting out of the womb right now because the abortion numbers are out of control. And, it's you know, it seems everyone seems to have this idea that, like, the, the abortion issue is a killer for the conservatives. It's a killer for the Republican Party. And I totally disagree with that because President Trump was the most pro-life president we've ever had. And, 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 and 74 million people voted for him in the last election. So it's not like it's a killer issue. And I know Biden just tweeted yesterday, Oh, uh, Trump touts about how he ended Roe v. Wade and he'll do more. It's like it's trying to be a scare tactic. But I, I think it, it, it's something that definitely needs to be addressed. We just had the, the March for Life again, uh, which Trump was the only president to ever do that, ever to speak there. Uh, but I wanted to ask you about the Ending Chemical Abortions Act, the bill that you co-sponsored. Uh, what, if you could explain the bill and then what is the latest here on getting this through? Well, what's happening is, you know, when they reversed Roe v. Wade, which honestly, you know, for 50 years, these young women have been told it's your constitutional right to abortion. Never has it stated that it was a constitutional right. That's the first problem. And we have to message that. But the way they're doing, like if states have a ban on abortion, like Tennessee, you know, uh, as soon as that was reversed, they had something to kick in. But whether it's six weeks, 15 weeks, whatever, the way that they're getting around that ban in those states is to mail order chemical abortion pills. And like I say, these pills were meant for different uh, modalities on their own, but when they combine them, it's a chemical abortion. It's like your mailbox, they can mail them straight to your door and it's like an abortion clinic at home, basically. And they don't have to be monitored before, even if they prescribed and even before Roe v. Wade was reversed. I mean, over 90 percent, if I'm not mistaken, were chemical abortions when they did that. They would just give you the pills, monitor you there, make sure everything was okay because these women don't know how it can affect your body and you can bleed out. You can have so many uh, things go wrong because you don't have a health care provider doing an ultrasound, watching what happens when when that abortion occurs. So it's like every local pharmacy or every home can now be an abortion clinic. And we have to stop that. They have skirted the reversal of Roe v. Wade by being able to mail that into your state that prohibits abortion. And so that's that's what they're doing. And, And I mean, it is it's unfettered. So the bills will help stave that off to where you can't do that. But you have to be able to monitor that in a way that you know who's doing it, what clinic, and, um, you know, what is that clinic, the uh, Alito Satanic Clinic or whatever that, oh, my God. You couldn't make this up if you tried, but this is how they're skirting the law and sending it to states that prohibit abortion, basically. And again, I think it all, it goes back to, 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 to the fatherless or the family breakdown and also God being removed because the majority of teenage pregnancies are all coming from fatherless households, which mm-hmm. are leading them to the abortions. Yes. And when you don't have that moral, what is right, what is wrong, you yes. have, you know, we have every, especially the young generation are being so encouraged sexually to, to take part in sex. Everything is being thrown at them, especially on TikTok, where they see all they see is these sexualized images. And it's so easy now for the 
kids, especially the young teenagers, to get the phone. They have access to all this stuff. And you know that these other countries, they're not being allowed to even like TikTok in China. You're not seeing the same thing that you're seeing in TikTok in the United States. And they're controlling that algorithm and deliberately poisoning the mind of American kids while over in their own country. They would never, never allow that. Never, never. And, you know, we had the CEO of TikTok in front of my committee. And, you know, the bad thing is they flew so many influencers up to influence us when we did the testimony and things. And then so many TV cameras. They have made an art out of this. And you've got 150 million Americans with TikTok on their phone, Alec. And they are building a profile on half our country. And it is a national security threat. And I talked to Director Ray over the FBI two two or three years ago when I was on Homeland. I said, is TikTok a national security threat? That's before anybody was talking. He said, yes, Congresswoman, it is. Now we know it is. We are working to ban that. It's a fine line with freedom of breach and banning. But people are angry because they make money. These influencers, some of them make 750000 a year. It is nuts what they do. And that's why they have so many good things on TikTok we understood to where these people can be successful and make money. That's why they are against it. Are you kidding me? But yeah. now they've got other apps that will will try to capture that information because they know we're on TikTok. And I think Ted Cruz is leading the legislation in the Senate. Our committee has done the legislation in the House, and, and they're working on that in the, in the Senate. If it's a national security threat and you're told it is, why do we still have it? That yeah. That's my question. I'm like, get on with your job. Do it. <laughs> I believe the military there is not even allowed to have it on their phones. I don't know no. if that's still the case, but I know that they made that rule that they the couldn't have it on their phone. Not. We cannot have it on our phones. And a lot of the universities are banning it too. But And they're just using WhatsApp, these Chinese students, to talk to their families back home is what I understand, which is what they used prior. But listen, if you know it's a threat, <laughs> then do something about it. It's not that it's not rocket science. Oh my gosh, I keep telling my colleagues, don't make it a calculus problem. Make it simple addition. Everybody will understand when you talk in terms that they they do understand. Yeah, the military is not allowed to use it, but your nine-year-old can have it unfettered, right? And that makes a lot of sense. So Tom, so I, could, I, I could talk to you all day. L- last thing, closing out here, give me your take here. We have New Hampshire today. Uh, in my opinion, uh, Trump should close this thing out very quickly here. What's your take on the primaries here and, and, and your thoughts on the 2024 election? Well, he, he's going to win. It's just how big is he going to win? And same way with South Carolina. And I'm like, we're on our way to make America great again. You know, his motto last time when he ran, it was keep America great. I'm like, let's get back to MAGA and let's get her done is what I say, because time's a waste. And I, I don't have look, I'm a grandmother. I could be sitting on the porch at the farm or, or rocking with my grandsons or watching them play ball. I need to save the country and go back to what I did before I went to Congress. OK, so he's going to have a fantastic night. And I hope Nikki Haley understands that she has no path to victory. Uh, Governor DeSantis uh, agreed. He got out of the race, so did everybody else. And the endorsements just keep coming for President Trump. And I'm an avid supporter of the man, and uh, it's time to make America great again. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I can't get here soon enough. Congresswoman Harshbarger, thank you so much. I, I'd love to have you on again in the future. I could talk to you all day. Uh, honored that you gave me the time today. Thanks for giving me a few minutes of your time on the Outlay Show. My pleasure. Anytime, buddy. Anytime. All right, honored to have Congresswoman Harsh Barger on the podcast here. Get down there. Let me know what, th- what you thought in the live chat. 
what did you think about the interview? What did you think about my interview with Victor Avila? And uh, let me know what you thought. Give me some thoughts down there in the comments or in the live chat. Uh, right now, uh, again, grateful uh, to the Congresswoman for giving me a few minutes of her time here today. Uh, always an honor to get these guests. I get them because of you, the listener, you, the watcher out there. Uh, if you're enjoying the podcast here, the live show on Rumble, follow the channel. I'm doing my best to bring you guys as many good guests as I can. Uh, you see so many of them on the wall behind me. Uh, last week, Eric Trump was here, Rob O'Neill. If you go through the list, you'll, you'll see I've been working hard to, to bring you guys the best content I possibly can here on Free Speech Rumble. And free speech is what is very necessary to keep our entire country alive. And nobody knows that better than my next guest here. Uh, Derek Evans was one of the guys that was protesting at the Capitol on January 6th, which, to, according to the Democrats, was a far worse day than 9-11 and Pearl Harbor combined is the worst day in history. Uh, this is a man who was arrested, locked up. He just actually tweeted his uh, prison card yesterday. I'll put it up on the board there from the U.S. Department of Justice. Uh, there he is, Derek Evans. Uh, they, they threw this guy in the clink uh, for exercising his uh, right. And, and here it is. Um, uh, so many of the January Sixers. There's a big breaking story that happened yesterday. The New York Post, I don't know if they broke the story, but they had the story, so I'll read it from them. I'll put it up on the board. The House January 6th committee deleted more than 100 encrypted files days before the GOP took majority. So if there's nothing to hide, why in the world are you deleting all this evidence? This whole January 6th thing, you, you know I've been through it. I had the, uh, the, the shaman on here a couple weeks ago who was another guy that was arrested and thrown in jail. Uh, Derek Evans, same thing happened to him. They, they, there are still people in there right now that are in prison, and, and you don't see anything being done to help these people out of there, even though it was no insurrection. They weren't trying to take down the government. We've been around this story, just like I feel like we've been around the COVID story uh, a million times around and nothing happened. So it, it, that, thankfully, Derek Evans is somebody that got out of prison here. He is now running for Congress against an absolute rhino in his district, Carol Miller, uh, somebody who did vote the, the continuing resolution. She was one of the 107 uh, rhinos that voted to, to keep the government uh, going and keep the government funded. So this way we can't close the border, didn't use our leverage, didn't do nothing. Uh, so Derek Evans is running to displace her. So hopefully we can get him in there, knock her out. Because again, it's not just about expanding the House lead in the majority. It's also about pushing out these rhinos that are in there. Because if we don't do that, what's the point? We have the majority and we're not getting anything done because we have people holding us back. There's dead weight in the House and we got to eliminate it. And uh, Derek Evans is part of that solution set. Got him in the Zoom room. Let's bring him in. All right. Joining me now, Derek Evans. Welcome to the Alec Lay Show. Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Well, it's a pleasure to have you here. I, I kind of wanted to get your take right off the dribble here to the New York Post story uh, that broke today saying that the House January 6th committee deleted more than 100 encrypted files days before the GOP took majority. You being there, you being involved. What, give me some reaction on that. Well, you know, as someone who went to prison over this, I think that uh, they should be held to the same standards as everyone else. I mean, they, they, this is criminal what they've done in terms of uh, doing that. The real question is, will the spineless jellyback rhinos who are supposed to be representing us in Congress, will they have the courage to actually hold these people accountable? Yeah, I, I can't imagine. Listen, just be frustrated just seeing this on the outside. You're somebody who was there, somebody that went to prison for this. And to see the amount of corruption, the cover up, the January 6th farce committee that was involved, it just seems like this has gone on far too long for people to they keep selling the insurrection narrative. And it seems like all the evidence points to blowing the doors completely off of that narrative. Yet it's the one that the mainstream media 
keeps pushing onto the American public. Absolutely. And, you know, people are forgetting they're still arresting people every single week right now uh, surrounding January 6th. We still have people sitting in prison. I'm, I'm as, as as unfortunate as my situation is and, and has been. I'm one of the lucky ones. You know, I've already served my time. I'm home with my family. We have people who are sitting around right now rotting away in prison all from uh, this corruption that's taken place within our court system, within the weaponized DOJ, and within this uh, January 6th sham select committee. And then they turned around and start, and deleted all this evidence. And uh, I would argue that they um, violated uh, some, some laws in terms of uh, uh, obstructing uh, an official proceeding, if you will, and uh, they should be held accountable for this. Yeah, and what's your take too, Derek? Just because we've seen like uh, the Congress uh, Congressman Jamal Bowman who pulled the fire alarm, disrupted official proceeding. He gets a slap on the wrist. We see these pro-Hamas protesters at the White House damaging the fence. We see them in the Capitol uh, obstructing, and and there's nothing. No, the media seems to not be bothered by this. There's no uh, arrests. There's no nothing. I mean, for somebody that went to prison for the same exact thing, that's got to drive you crazy. It does. Absolutely. And there's definitely a two tiered justice system in this country right now. But the, the bigger thing with when you unpack all of this is, look, I despise the left. I despise what they stand for. But um, their elected representatives actually fought for them. But people are forgetting that when Nancy Pelosi was Speaker of the House, they did shut the government down. They did shut things down to get what they wanted. Uh, and they fought for it. And then at the same time, when this was happening to myself and so many others and people are still being held hostage right now, uh, we can't get anything other than a couple of tweets and uh, some some photo ops from our uh, elected Republicans right now. It's very frustrating. We need some some America first patriots, some fighters who are willing to step up and fight back against the radical left to represent, represent us at all levels of office. Yeah, right on with that, Derek. Yeah, we need patriots, not politicians, is what I what we need right Amen. now in Washington. And it is. It, it, I'm sick and tired of, you know, just like you said, the Democrats are willing to shut the government down and get what they want. We're not willing to do that. We got the wide open border. It should be, no, no, no. We shut it all down until we get the border situation under control. Until that's under control, we pass nothing. But no one's willing to do that. And it seems like everybody that votes against this, that votes against shutting the government down, we have to start primarying. And it just seems like it's, the task is so daunting because it seems like we go through all this work. We primary these people, get somebody in, then the same person that we thought we were going to do it votes the other way. And we're like, what is going on here? And it just seems like we can't stack one win on a board. You're, you're, you're exactly correct. But I'll tell you, it's, it's a lot easier than people really think when you really start breaking it down by the numbers. There's a there's roughly 70 congressional districts across this country, and there's a few states as well uh, for U.S. Senate races where it does not matter who wins the primary. They're, they're going to win the general election. And these are the districts where we got to go out and get America first patriots and some real fighters to step up and run in those uh, districts and states, and we got to then we got to turn around and back them and support them. Right now, we have a bunch of rhinos who are walling around in those districts representing them. And uh, imagine, if you will, if we had seventy Matt Gates in Congress. Imagine if we had you know twenty five to thirty uh, Rand Pauls in in the U.S. Senate right now. What a difference our country would be right now just by that alone. Yeah, amen. So talk to me then about obviously you're running in the first district or West Virginia, uh, Carol Miller, everything that I'm reading, everything that I'm hearing uh, sounds like Rhino City once again. So uh, what is the big what is the big um, push that you're making on your campaign? Why to put you ahead of Carol Miller, the incumbent there? Yeah, well, first of all, man, so blessed and fortunate. We've got close to 5,000 donors now. We've raised over $300,000. It's all just, you know, backbone of the country, blue-collar people chipping in small amounts, and and that's that's what we're really proud of. 
Uh, you know, look, this is one of the, the reddest districts in the entire country. This is not a district that deserves a, a purple representative, which is what we have right now at best. You know, she she just voted for the CR you were just referring to uh, just the other day. She voted to send all of our money to Ukraine. Uh, she voted to force our military members to receive the COVID vaccine if they wanted to continue their career in the military, supported the lockdowns and Fauci and the mandates, all these all these things. And then she also refused to endorse President Trump uh, back over the summer when Ron DeSantis first announced he was running. She refused to do to, to endorse anyone in that race. And so, look, th that's the biggest difference. And I tell everyone, I'm not going to make a bunch of promises I can't keep. I understand that if, even if I win this race, I'm going to be one of 435 people in the House. And a lot of the things that I want to do, quite, quite frankly, would not get passed just because we, we don't have enough votes in there right now. You know, I want to I want to completely limit the government. I'm going to return the power back to the states and the and the local communities, get, abolish these three-letter agencies. But the promise I make to everyone is I'm not running to, to make friends. I'm not running to make a career out of this. I'm not running to play patty cake politics with the Democrats or the rhinos. I'm running for one reason, one reason only, and that's to kick in the front door and expose the corruption in D.C. Yeah, amen, Derek. And we need those voices in there. We need people willing to take that chance. And it is a chance because there's sacrifice that comes along with it. Uh, I know that you've got a family and it's, uh, you know, the, the, what has been the response, especially with the support from your family? I mean, this, you know, that the arrows come at you the minute you put yourself into this uh, political, just uh, toxic environment that's out there. So what has been the response or support from your wife and from your family when you decided to run? Oh, man, my, my wife is a rock star, man. I'll tell you, we we had no desire to run for federal office. So I was elected to the state house in West Virginia in 2020. But the unique thing about West Virginia is we have citizen legislators. So it's only a 60-day session. So outside of that, it's like an hour or so from my house. So outside of that, you know, you can be a regular husband and a father and coach youth sports and be there for your kids and be home every night. And and I didn't want to expose my family to the nastiness of the of the national media and the, the politics of the, of the national level. But you know, on January 8th, they came to my house, ripped me away from my family and threw me in prison for peacefully protesting on January 6th. And so at that point, we realized we're already in the middle of the swamp now. There's there's no all the reasons that we were trying to avoid that have already happened. So at this point, it's time to pin our ears back. And, you know, my wife and my family's super supportive. Our community's absolutely supportive. We haven't spent a dollar in our campaign yet, uh, campaign wise, and we're polling at 45 percent, uh, which is the closest race in the country for someone taking on a uh, an incumbent in the primary. Wow. Wow. Awesome for you. And I know, obviously, you mentioned you got small kids there, too. And right now, the, the attack is coming against parents in this country. Parents right now are the underdog in this country. And I think that they have had it with what they're seeing, especially with the indoctrination coming from this LGBTQ. They say, oh, we're, you know, they call it book banning when it's really just pornography books in the school. And everybody knows that. I've never spoken to a single parent that agrees with having this type of material in the classroom or in the library at these schools. Nor do I talk to any dads that agree that uh, their daughter should be sharing a bathroom with with boys or with men. So this stuff has been, I think is is something that the Democrats are going to die on this year because I think enough parents are just sick and tired of what they're seeing not just in the school but also with sports and everything else. What's your take on all this stuff going on with parental rights in this country? Well, I agree with you 100%. I mean, obviously I support parental rights and I tell everyone I do not co-parent with the government and neither should you. Uh, we need we need parental rights, we need school choice, we need all these things, but you know, there's a lot of things that can be done at the federal level. Uh, such as withholding uh, tax dollars from these public universities and schools who want to want to push this indoctrination on our children. Uh, I think that we need to take that step and actually do that. If they want to push those issues and create social justice warriors, then they can become private institutions if they want to do that. But uh, they should not be taking our tax dollars uh, to do that. But really, it comes down to we have a society full of weak men right now. This started years ago with the if everyone remembers the the attack on toxic masculinity, if you will. And they they kind of stripped that down, and now they're saying men can men can be women and all these things. 
you know, our grandparents' generation never would have allowed this because they were they were um, a society full of strong men. A society full of weak men or uh, or strong men would never sit around and let this attack on our women uh, take place in front of us. So we need we need to get some strong men to step up and actually um, speaking out and being the protectors and providers of our communities like we're supposed to do. And I think, Derek, it got this way because uh, for so long, people were just kind of afraid to talk about it because every time somebody mentioned the word about it, they shot their whole career down. They banned them on social media. So the minute you said anything against that narrative, you got attacked. So it's like uh, people didn't say anything about it. I think that's how it got to be this big of a problem. Like it just seems like it it almost seems like it happened overnight, but it was coming here for a long time. Just like you said, the, the attack on masculinity, we saw it, you know, even through movies and pop culture, uh, the, the fatherless crisis has tripled in this country since the seventies. We got so many kids growing up without a father. Not having a father figure in their life and the breakdown of the nuclear family combined with God being removed from our society. Then you take law off the street. Uh, Those three things right there. There's no way you can have a successful thriving country when those three pieces aren't in place. Oh, you're you're exactly correct. I mean, that's that's what it comes down to. There's a there's an all out attack right now on the nuclear family in this country, and uh, that's been their goal is is to create this uh, you know this, these issues within the family so that people are now looking to the government, depending on the government, for a, a lot of these things. In terms of you know people being afraid to speak out, you're exactly correct. And I think at the time, and it was warranted. I think people were afraid of being put on a list, but everyone should embrace that at this point. We now know that. Um, I mean, Congressman Jim Jordan just put out a tweet the other day. If, if you shopped at Dick's or if you purchased a Bible, you've been put on a list. Uh, we know that uh, under old Twitter that the FBI requested a list of everyone who followed and engaged with President Trump on Twitter. And they were granted that list. We're talking 80 something million Americans from that alone or 80 something million people uh, from that list alone. And so the, the, the thing is, you're already on a list. There's no reason to be fearful of speaking out. I promise you, if you go to church, you're on a list. If you've ever reacted to a conservative meme on social media or something, you're on a list. If you've ever purchased a Bible or shopped at Dick's or bought guns or ammo or anything else, you're on a list. Just embrace it. Embrace your natural God-given rights of free speech and uh, and understand it's the most powerful, peaceful way we can redress our grievances and stand up and speak out. Yeah, no doubt. And thank God for platforms like Rumble, like X, that now, yes. I mean, maybe maybe not 100%, but it seems like the best way to get your voice heard right now is on Rumble and X because they're giving you the opportunity to speak your mind. Now, of course, that comes with the backlash from the outside media looking in, but at least it gives you the platform and the opportunity to do it. Although you still see some people banned on X that are still not allowed back on there. Uh, so hopefully we see some more improvements. And I would give everybody a voice and let the other people, if they don't like it, shut it down, expose them, and let's have it that way rather than decide who gets to speak and who doesn't get to speak i think we either have free speech or we don't have free speech and i can't stand the fact we're like well we don't like what that guy says so we're not going to let him talk at all i think that's a dangerous dangerous uh, philosophy in this country well free speech is uh is supporting the freedom of quote unquote hate speech and speech that you disagree with it's still free speech and so i I agree with that 100 percent. and that's a major issue right now we need uh we need some people to step up and and push back against big tech who has really just led the charge on this attack and this assault on free speech among conservatives uh, in particular. So we need, we need to be willing to step up and do that. I tell everyone I'm not back to a big tech. I'm not back to a big farmer. I don't want to be, uh, and I'm going to go after uh, those two uh, groups for sure.
Yeah, they control most most of what's going on in Washington. Yep. There's no doubt about that. And, uh, you know, uh, honestly, Derek, I, I think that the biggest concern I think I have, most Patriots have right now, is I know that right now we're celebrating a little bit that, uh, you know, that the Trump, the, that uh, what's it called, Ron DeSantis dropped out of the race, which was never really a real threat to Donald Trump to begin with. And I try to say, like, the goal here wasn't to defeat Ron DeSantis. The goal wasn't isn't to defeat Nikki Haley or Vivek Ramaswamy. The goal is to defeat Joe Biden in November. That's the goal here. So as we celebrate... We got to keep that in mind a little bit that we didn't win anything yet. And the biggest face challenge we're going to face is what happened to us. And the reason why you would air on January 6th is because they stole the election this, the, the last time from Trump. And it doesn't seem like we've done anything to make sure that we're going to have our election secured here in November. We don't have the voter ID. We don't have uh, the same day voting. We're still going to see the mail-in ballots. So what has changed or what needs to change in order to make sure we can feel confident that we're going to get the right result or at least the correct result, the correctly count result this time around yeah i mean uh, people should definitely be concerned about that i know that i sure am and i wish that the republicans would have spent the last two to three years actually fighting back on that issue and trying to secure our elections as opposed to just sitting around twiddling thumbs while the left called us insurrectionists and domestic terrorists they should have been beating the drum as to why we were there to begin with they stole the election from the american people and then actually arrested and threw in prison people such as myself who had the courage to stand up and speak out against the stolen election. And so it's very, very frustrating right now, um, to your point. And, and, you know, there's, I know there's a lot of ideas. There's a lot of things going on. I think we're, we are in better shape. I think we've cleaned some of it up. I don't know if it's going to be enough, but uh, the only thing we can do at this point is vote like we've never voted before. Take a friend, a family member with us and flood the polls and try to outvote the algorithms like we did in 2016. And quite frankly, we outvoted them in 2020. That's why they stopped counting the votes in the middle of the night and freaked out and had to, had to do what they did. We kind of exposed that from voting in such uh, massive numbers, but we owe it to ourselves. We owe it to our children. We owe it to our, founding fathers who shed blood and made great sacrifices to form this country. We owe it to all of them to try to try to resolve this peacefully. And we do that by getting out to the polls in uh, November, 2024. And it is amazing to see everything. Like if they really felt like they got 81 million votes and they beat Trump hands down, why would they be going through all this extent to interfere with his election campaign this year around with all these indictments, all these trials? They, they just moved his trial to tomorrow, I mean, to, to today, where now he won't be able to be in New Hampshire. They want him to be in, in court in New York. They're doing all this stuff on purpose to him. And it just seems like if this is a guy you know you could beat hands down, he's no threat, they wouldn't do any of this stuff to him. They just let him go out there and do his thing and they wouldn't even feel threatened by him. But you know it's not that way. And obviously um, they, they did Trump dirty the last time around. What's your take here now? What's your read on this primary now is it seems to it's going to come to a close in my opinion uh he, he slams uh nikki today uh, in new hampshire and i think she's out after south carolina uh, now that ron DeSantis is out of it what, what what's your take on the rest of the primary here well i say i think so as well and i think it's uh it's been it's important to get them out of the race sooner rather than later so we can start funneling resources on president trump and putting our focus and building infrastructure for november because that's the that's the race that really matters every moment that nikki haley stays in the race drawing you know soaking up republican resources uh with this uh you know she has no chance of winning but so every moment she continues doing that she's really just aiding and abetting the joe biden illegitimate biden regime to continue to staying in power by keeping the focus away from that so she needs to drop out of the race uh today uh, to not after she sees the results and gets trounced and uh and, and put all of her support behind president trump yeah right on with that well tell me about your campaign here when is the primary for you is it in may is the primary for you in may and uh what is the focus points here what's the biggest knock gear against you uh why you not carol miller and where do the people go to find out about the campaign 
Yeah, uh, primary is May 14th. Uh, super excited about it. Uh, we've been endorsed by General Flynn, Mike Lindell, Veterans for Trump, Oil and Gas, Laura Loomer. I mean, we got a lot of endorsements. We've got some more coming out as well. Uh, so we're super excited about that. Um, you can go to our website. It's evans4wv.com. That's evans4wv.com. You can head over there. You can click join our team if you want to volunteer uh, or get updates about our campaign. Uh, you can donate if you want to. You can add us to your prayer list. We, we definitely need all the prayers we can get right now. And so, look, I mean, the biggest issues all across this country, doesn't matter where you're at or what district you're in. I'm going to tell you right now, the two biggest issues in this country, and these are going to be the two issues that allow President Trump to win in November, is the border and inflation. These are two things that the mainstream media cannot lie enough about to convince people that Biden's doing a good job on those things. People see the border. They're now seeing it even in the blue cities as these uh, illegals are being shipped all over the country. But more importantly, it's the economy. People, um, look, the mainstream media can lie and say the economy's fine all they want. People feel the pinch when they're going to buy uh, bread, milk, eggs, you know, gas, uh, interest rates. They see all these things. They can't lie enough about it. That's why I'm somewhat concerned that they still might try to switch Joe Biden out uh, before November and replace him with someone else. But these are the two biggest issues all across the country. And uh, it's the same thing here in West Virginia. Yeah, we're hearing the rumblings that maybe uh, Michelle Obama could be replaced, uh, replace Joe Biden or maybe even Gavin Newsom. Obviously, everybody has been saying that. And it makes sense because it just Joe Biden is a, he was a weak candidate in 2020. Uh, he never showed up. He, he wasn't even electable, even in their own primaries. He kept finishing at the bottom. So this whole thing has been a farce with Joe Biden. He's a terrible candidate. He's a terrible president. And you're right. I, I always say what I just did food shopping this past weekend. It's like, how could anybody that goes food shopping? Think, wow, I want more of this. I mean, just realistically. And, and here's the thing, Derek, and I make this point quite a bit. Like Joe Biden and the Democrats try to put this whole MAGA uh, extremists, MAGA extremists. And I don't think that 90 percent of the people that voted for Trump are in the big, heavy MAGA camp that have Trump banners and Trump hats. I think 90 percent of the people that vote for Donald Trump are doing so because it's the best option for their family. They want a better life and a better way of living for their family. That's why they're voting for Donald Trump. It's not because they're a part of the MAGA extremist movement. It's just because they want to be able to put food on the table and not work three jobs to do it. The, the Democrat Party has went so far left that, you know, 10 years ago, someone who was truly uh, you know left of center, you know, they are now considered a right-wing extremist. That's how far left the Democrats have went. I mean, if you literally say that, no, boys are boys and girls are girls, you're a right-wing extremist. If you say that we should have, uh, we should unleash American energy and put our uh, coal and oil and natural gas uh, resources to work, you're, an, you're a right-wing extremist. If you say that we should uh, have a borders and secure a border and actually, you know, secure that, you're a right-wing extremist. And so that's where the, that's the, what the left has done, that's how far left they've went. And I'll tell you, it really reminds me of the 2016 election in so many ways. If you remember, I mean, we all remember build the wall. And that was the the big campaign message for President Trump in 2016. I, I think I see, you know, a lot of things that are similar with that in terms of the border crisis right now. And the difference is people now know what it was like under President Trump. And so my, th my question to those who are undecided in November, maybe they don't like Trump's personality. Maybe they don't like his mean tweets or whatever. My question to those people is, do was your life better under President Trump or is it better now under Joe Biden? I think we had a silent majority in 2016. I think the silent majority is going to be even bigger and more silent in 2024. There's going to be a lot of these so-called never Trumpers. When it comes time to push the button in the in the voting booth, they're going to vote with their wallet and they're not going to tell their friends and their family members because they're ashamed to, but they're going to push the button for President Trump.
I couldn't agree more because it's suicidal not to. I mean, it, it makes no sense. So why would you want to derail your family, derail your future uh, because you hate Trump that bad? And that is the problem. There is a don't get me wrong. There's a lot of this Trump derangers. There's a lot of people that would rather see this country just go down in flames yep. than even ever allow Trump to get back into the White House again. And to me, I can't compute that. And I don't know where it came from, but it's just you have people that viciously hate Donald Trump and for no reason whatsoever, other than that they've been programmed or told to hate him that much. Same thing we saw with the COVID. We saw people acting so crazy and out of their minds during COVID-19. And today, act like they never were. They have amnesia. They don't remember calling you a a grandma killer and and you're ruining the country. We can't open the country because of you. They all forgot about that and they act like they weren't crazy. It's the same way they get when they talk about Donald Trump and it's just, it's mind-boggling. It really is. And you're, you're, you're correct. I mean, it's fascinating to watch some of these people that we know we're beating the drum of the COVID lockdowns. And and once again, it was it went from take the shot to uh, protect yourself to now you got to take the shot to protect your family and your neighbors. And if you don't take that, you're killing your grandmother or, or whoever else. And that's the scary thing when you look back on COVID to me. The scary thing is how they use the Mockingbird media to really weaponize the citizens against each other. And they were police. I mean, you, all, you had people almost fighting with each other in a store because somebody didn't have a mask on. And there was somebody really willing to fight them over this because they, they felt that they were, they were in danger. That's how powerful the media really is. And that's why we call them uh, properly call them the fake news media. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I know guys that shoot dope, ride motorcycles while they're drunk, and all of a sudden they were afraid to leave the house without a mask on. I'm like, what happened to you? Like, well, what, what's the story? And that's the type of psychological game it played on people. And there's no doubt, Derek, we're going to see some type of shenanigans as we get closer to 2024 election here in November because they'll stop at nothing to keep him out of there, it seems. So it's kind of scary in that way. But I pray to God we can get him, him in there, and I pray to God we can get you into Congress because we need voices. We need patriots like you in there. I got the link down below to your campaign website. Uh, give me a, a final word here to close it out, Derek. Hey, man, once again, we're in a battle for the future of this country, uh, and we're not going to win this by sitting on the sidelines being afraid to speak out. So we got to have uh, patriots who are willing to vote, but also stand up and speak out, exercise our natural God-given rights. I'll, I'll leave your audience with this. It's important to remember that uh, our rights do not come from the government. Our rights come from God, our creator, and the Constitution was really written for one reason, one reason only. It was written to prevent the government from infringing on our natural God-given rights. And so it's uh, up to us to go exercise those. If we willingly give away our freedom of speech out of fear, then we've already lost this battle. Yeah. Amen to that. I got the link to your campaign down below. Uh, God bless you and best of the luck uh, in, in the primaries. Hope to see you in Congress soon. Derek Evans, thanks for giving me a few minutes of your time here on the Outlay Show. Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. All right. Grateful to Derek Evans for giving me a few minutes of his time here on the Alec Lay Show. What'd you guys think about the interview? Hit me down there in the live chat. Leave a comment down below while you're down there. Don't forget to hit the like button and follow the channel here on Rumble. Same thing if you guys are listening to the podcast on Spotify or Apple. It replays on there after the broadcast is live here on Rumble. So if you're listening on one of those platforms, leave a review, leave a rating, whatever you can do to help. Uh, You guys have been great. I'm so grateful for all of your support out there. I've got the Locals channel listed right below this video if you want to support. Hit the link and check it out. And I'm and listen, I, I'm doing everything I can here to bring you guys the best content that I know how. Uh, I got three great guests here for you guys today. Let me know what you thought about them and who you would like to see next on the podcast here. I'm working hard. I got two guests as of right now. They're going to be joining me here on Thursday. Follow me on X at Alec Lace to find out who they are. And let me know what you think about the program, whether you like it, whether you don't like it, what you'd like to see, what you don't want to hear anymore about. And uh, help me grow the channel along with you, the listener out there, you, the watcher, okay? Uh, Again, grateful to all three of the guests, Victor Avila, uh, Congresswoman Harshbarger, and Derek Evans uh, for giving me their time today. 
And uh, that's really all I got for you guys. I'm going to close it out here. Uh, follow me on X uh, to find out who, I, like I said, I got two guests that will be joining me here at least. I'll be back Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, live here on Rumble. Uh, President Trump dominates today in New Hampshire, goes on to smoke the, uh, the Nikki Haley down there in South Carolina, and then I think she drops out. If not, she drops out today or tomorrow morning. And this is uh, this is it. We got to all we got to all join forces behind Donald Trump, and we have got to defeat Biden. If it is Biden that he's going to be facing, that still remains to be seen. All right, so God bless all you parents out there, all you listeners. Uh, God bless our police, first responders, our military veterans, active duty. And by the way, too, also the, uh, on the sad note, talked about this with Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill. Uh, the two SEALs were officially pronounced dead uh, yesterday, and they released uh, the names of the two SEALs, the two frogmen. So God bless uh, the Navy SEAL community, and God bless the, the new Gold Star families that we have in our country right now. Uh, we, we would not have a chance in this world without you. Uh, so my heart does go out uh, to, to the families that have been affected. Uh, unfortunately, Joe Biden didn't have it within him to mention the two SEALs that died uh, in duty, uh, you know, in action. So, all right, God bless you guys. I'll catch you guys Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on Rumble. You're listening to The Alec Lay Show. Alec Lace has interviewed more than 700 dads on his award-winning podcast, First Class Fatherhood. Dads from all walks of life, including Tom Brady, Deion Sanders, Matthew McConaughey, Steve Harvey, Tony Hawk, Eric Trump, and so many more. Find out why First Class Fatherhood has been number one on the iTunes charts. Who these men are as fathers and how they raise their children is far more important than anything they accomplish in their careers. Alec Lace encourages his high-profile guests to share their fatherhood journeys and offer advice to new and soon-to-be dads. Let every father in your contact list know about First Class Fatherhood. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Every day is Father's Day on First Class Fatherhood. You're listening to The Alec Lace Show. The future is family.